Thanks for listening to the Faith Assembly podcast. If you're in the Orlando area, we hope you're able to join us for one of our services. Please check out faithassembly.org for more information or follow us on social media at faithORL. We hope this message will be an inspiration to help you find all that God has for your life. Enjoy the message. Yeah, let me, let me dive into a little bit more of what uh, the future of, of Faith Christian Academy, how that affects uh, our, our church. Um, but um, for the last probably three years at least, uh, we've had a waiting list of, of a of couple hundred uh, students, and that's families just trying to get uh, kids into uh, our school. Uh, and so there is a, a very much of a, a need there uh, for the space. Um, one of the things that we're kind of... Uh, I think sensing from God in this in this mandate to make as much space as possible for uh, for a safe Christian school environment, uh, we're sensing that families are just having a, a greater concern. I mean, this happened nationally. This is obviously happening locally. Uh, families sensing a, a, a greater concern for their kids' safety, for ideology and indoctrination that's going on in, in some of our. our too many of our schools, and let me say this right here, hit pause and say this, that's why I'm so thankful for Christian teachers, Christians administrators, Christian students that are in the public school <laughs> setting, amen, and we should be praying for them, light in, in, those, in those dark places, but there are also uh, some situations that are, that are causing some concern for families, and so the demand on private Christian education is just continues to rise, and we, I just, uh, we just started feeling as we, as we prayed over these last couple of years, just this uh, rising mandate from God to provide as much space as possible uh, for a, a safe Christian uh, school environment. And so, what we'll do for that—that's kind of the why. And here, let me talk about how this will happen. But um, the design for this property here at the Curry Ford campus, uh, the initial design was actually for these wings that are up here. Uh, to actually be extended. And so um, we're going to go back to its original design. When we built it, we dialed it back and let us grow into it. Well, we're at, we're at the place where we have grown into it. And so we're going to extend this E-wing over here, three floors, and we'll add uh, about 20 new uh, classrooms as we ex- expand that E-wing, um, which will provide for about 180. Amen. Yeah. I'll let you... I'll let you guys clap a little bit, but I got, I got time restraints, so you only like, when you do clap, it has to be fast, and then we're out. All right, good. No, well, it'll provide for about 180 uh, more uh, Faith Christian Academy students as we expand those classrooms. Also, it'll allow our preschool to grow by 50 students, 50 little ones, and so they've been maxed out pretty much there as well. At the end of that E-Wing, we'll build a uh, gymnasium with two uh, gym, gym floors in there, and uh, that'll provide the space that the school needs for physical education and for extracurricular sports. Uh, right now, there we, we don't have enough space for that. Um, There is a gym up here on the second floor that some of you have never even been into. That was originally designed to be uh, a meeting space with AV and some air walls and where there could be classrooms or services or uh, different kinds of meetings. And so that space will be able to uh, convert back into its original design, which will really help uh, the church a lot in its ministries on the weekends and, and 
through the week. And then also uh, those classrooms, obviously our, our grow class uh, uh, grow class ministry, which actually grow classes start back up today. And so in this next grow class uh, hour, our, we're, we're maxed out on our classrooms. Those additional classrooms will provide more discipleship space for the church, which is awesome. Um, and, uh, and, and so we're really excited about this uh, space that will be kind of freed up and built in the coming weeks and months. It'll be uh, funded really through your Kingdom Builders uh, giving. Uh, that's how you will help us uh, build together with that. So um, let me just say this. Why is vision so important? Because we, we've talked about um, so far what we're going to do with, with foster care ministry and so excited about that. You'll hear more about that in a little bit. And um, it's funny, um, just saw Christina and Ryan who were in the video, saw them. They were at first service and uh, Christina had a little three-week-old baby. So they've added one more uh, to their tribe even since the video was filmed. Uh, so we're excited to come alongside and help families like that. But why is vision why is vision so important? Let me say it this way. In, in 1998, the British rowing team came in seventh in the world championships again. Um, they had not had much success over the years. Matter of fact, they had not won a gold medal since 1912. The Sydney Olympics were coming up in two years, and their goal was to win gold. And they had a decision to make as a rowing team. Do we just, I mean, do we keep doing the same thing and keep getting the same results? Or do we just quit altogether? Or do we come up with uh, like a new way of seeing things? Do we take a jump and, and get a different vision? And so their goal was gold in the 2000 City Olympics, and so they got vision. Their vision was for their boat to go faster. They were a rowing team after all. The boat to go faster, that's the vision. They, they then came up with a vision-defining question that they lived by, everybody on the team, for the next two years. Here was their vision-defining question. They asked themselves this question all the time. Will it make the boat go faster? So like every day, they would ask themselves that question. When they're out with some people and they get invited to go to the pub that night, they would ask themselves, will it make the, go will it make the boat go faster? No, it won't, I'm not going. When it came time to get up early and get on the rowing machine, will it make the boat go faster? Yes, it will. I'll do that. Uh, well, when you're offered a donut, they had asked themselves this question, will it make the go boat go faster? Uh, I don't think it will. So then they would say no to it. Uh, staying out late, getting up early, train, if I train, if I get up early and train, will it make, yes, it'll make the boat go faster. They, they, they lived for two years by this vision-defining question, and in two years, in the year 2000, Sydney Olympics, British rowing team came in gold medal, got the gold medal place uh, in the Olympics. And so why did that happen? Because vision simplifies your life. Like, vision controls the choices you make. Like, once you know where you're going, you also know which roads not to get on because they won't take you where you're going. Vision defines your destination. Uh, your, your destiny, then, will dictate your decisions. That's why it's so important when we talk about vision. That's why Proverbs 28, uh, 29, 18 says, where there is no vision, the people cast off restraint. They don't have any self-control. Why? Because vision will get me making decisions uh, that, that, will, that will help me get where I need to go. Now, here's, here's the question. What is faith, what's team faith? If you want to say like, hey, welcome to the team, by the way. You're all team faith. What is team faith's vision divining, defining question? It's this. Will it help people encounter Jesus? 
That's our why. We exist to help people encounter Jesus. It's important to know your why because if you don't know your why, you'll lose your way. Why? Because vision does that for us. Our why is to help people encounter Jesus. So I promise we're asking ourselves that vision-defining question all the time. We get in a meeting, look at a calendar, start to plan something. Will it help people encounter Jesus? If it will, then let's talk about it. Let's make it happen. When we're trying to figure out what to, what to invest in, what to cut, where to move forward, where to pull back, that vision-defining question, will it help people encounter Jesus? We're constantly asking ourselves that question before we do everything. That's how important vision is. I want to show you one more thing, uh, and then I'm going to come back and preach a message about our vision, but I want to show you one more thing that we're really, really excited about it coming in the next couple weeks and months and years. So check this out. So we are in the car with my man, Pastor Matt. How you doing? Feeling good. Good. I'm excited about today. Yeah. It's been a while since we've been out here. Yeah. Pastor Matt, how long have you, how long have you worked at the church? I forget. You should know this, but... Uh, 20 something years. 20, 22 years. 22 years. And uh, I've been here for 20, almost 27. But uh, yeah, we've worked together for all of those years. It's been awesome. Uh, youth ministry for a bunch of those years. Yeah. What about the, our other campuses? When, do you remember what the launch dates on those were? I know that Michigan Street uh, was a, a church approached us about a, absorbing that campus. And so, uh, man, we, we took that on really not even knowing what, what was going to be the outcome of that. But it's been cool to see what God's done there. Yeah. Um, I do remember more how Redbug Lake came about, that, that that was basically a realtor that said, hey, there's this church building over here. and. That was a direction that we that we wanted to go because from the Curry Ford campus, Michigan Street is west of us. Red Bug Lake campus is north of us. So that, at that time, we wanted to go north and get something over there. It's been cool to see what God's God's doing at Red Bug campus too. I don't know, man. I remember having talks with you early on when we were kind of getting ready for the roles that we're currently in, or certainly certainly right after, but probably even even before as we were you know months leading up to the transition and the roles that we were going to be in probably the single strongest vision um, that I had coming in to the roles that we're in it was it was Lake Nona uh, St. Cloud. Cloud in between there um, just felt so so strong about that because everybody knows that everything is growing this direction and we were talking about the perfect place for a church probably halfway between 192 and 417. We're so grateful for the way the other campuses kind of materialized for us as a church, but I did feel like this was gonna be kind of a new approach um, for us. If, if we could find the right piece of land, um, we're gonna build our building and build it to meet the needs that that we will have as a, as a church. So, uh, you know, I, I can remember that Sunday that Liz was going to be in, in service and really feeling like, you know, that God was going to use that to touch the, the landowner's heart. You know, of course, then um, we start to get word that that maybe things are starting to, to move and maybe that land could be freed up. It still doesn't mean we're going to be the one she wants to sell to. It doesn't mean that it's going to come at the right price point that we can get it and still accomplish putting the building on it. And then, and then maybe a few days later, I remember an email coming through my inbox 
and I actually pulled it up here. It says, hey guys, I wanted to give you an update. As of about 30 minutes ago, Faith Assembly now owns the 21 acres on Narcusi Road in St. Cloud. We closed this afternoon and the transaction is complete. I'm very excited to see how all of this develops as we continue to depend on the Holy Spirit as he guides us. We're believing that it's gonna happen. All right, so here we are. This is it. Well, Pastor Johnny, you wanna tell everybody where we are? Yeah, we're standing on uh, the 21 acres uh, that will be the future site of Faith Assembly, St. Cloud Campus, Lake Nona Campus, however we end up calling it, but man, this is it. It's gonna be a while before we get a physical building here. I, I can already see it. I remember that very first time we came out here and man, I, I can just already see a, a, a building here for the purpose of helping people encounter Jesus. And I can see young people and kids and families uh, being renewed and restored by God. And it, it's gonna be, it's gonna be incredible. And it won't happen immediately. Uh, as a matter of fact, that's why we want you to be praying with us. Pray that uh, God's hand will be all over this. And uh, we need everybody to do that uh, with us, to be a part of this. Uh, also, maybe some of you would consider being a part of the launch team uh, when we do launch the campus out here. Uh, be praying about that as we as we build this together. We're, we're one church and we're blessed to get to say this is going to be yet another one of our locations. And so maybe you, God's speaking to you, maybe you live out here or, or maybe God is just stirring your heart to be a part of this launch team. We actually plan on launching services out here at, at, at a mobile site in the fall of 2024. Uh, and then we'll see uh, how the construction's going at that point. And we're excited to get to move in. And so it's going to be an exciting, this is an exciting time for Faith Assembly as we build it together. Oh, come on. Amen. And uh, just as a report and further uh, celebration, because of your continued faithfulness through the years and, and just giving and supporting vision, uh, we were able to purchase that land, ca paid cash for it, no debt on those 21 acres right now. And so, um, so we're excited. And that, that first day, Pastor Matt and I went out there, we did stay behind and just walked it and prayed over it. And I don't have time to tell you all the different miracles that unfolded uh, as as that uh, as those doors open, but I will tell you that in the in the coming uh, in the coming weeks and months. Uh, I'm going to preach a little bit today. Is it okay if I preach a little bit today? Yeah. With the atmosphere that's in the room, uh, I'm I feel like I had to preach because uh, even if I wasn't planning on it, I'd I'd be preaching. So Mark chapter two, verse one through twelve. Mark chapter two. Verses 1 through 12, if you have a copy of God's Word, get it out. Uh, if not, I'll be reading, and it'll be on the screen behind me. Uh, as we think about what, what, what God can do when we decide to build together. Um, verse number 1 says, A few days later, when Jesus entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. And they gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door. Kind of like the 10 o'clock service. Amen. All right. And, uh, and he preached the word to them. Some men came bringing to him a paralyzed man carried by four of them. Somebody say four. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it. And then they lowered the mat the man was lying on. And when Jesus saw their faith, 
He saw their faith. He saw the, the four men's, maybe the paralytic is included, maybe the five, but he saw, he saw a group faith. You know, Christianity's a group project, and I, I still believe God responds to group faith. Somebody say amen. That we would put our faith towards the same thing. I still feel like that gets God's attention. Does anybody agree with me? Say amen. He saw, he saw their faith, and he said to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven now, some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like, like that? You know, anytime God's doing something, there's going to be somebody sitting around it going, well, I just don't think it should be done this way. You know what I'm saying? And I, for me, I'm just saying, I take a little bit of solace that it happened to Jesus too. Because <laughs> it's going to happen anytime that, that God's doing something, anytime somebody's talking about vision, that, that same thing will happen. So these people sitting around they're thinking, why does he talk like that? They're thinking he's blaspheming. Who could forgive sins but God alone? And immediately Jesus knew in his spirit, this is what they were thinking in their hearts. You couldn't get by with anything when Jesus was around. I mean, talking about Jesus, he would get, get, he'd, he'd hear that. You couldn't even think thoughts about Jesus. He'd be like, why are you thinking like that? I'm sorry. This is what happened. I love this. He turns to them. And he says, uh, uh, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier to say to this paralyzed man? Your sins are forgiven or to say, get up, take your mat and walk. But I want you to know that the son of man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat and go home. This paralyzed man got up, took his mat and walked out in full view of all of them. I like this last part. This amazed everybody. And they praised God saying, we have never seen anything like this before. Pray with me real quick. Father, let us say that, Lord, at the conclusion of so many services, so many gatherings in the coming years that we've never seen anything like this before. In Jesus' name, speak to us. Amen. Amen. So we've said our vision-defining question is, will it help people encounter Jesus? And we, we talk about that. We live that all the time. But also with that comes some some behaviors that we talk about. And that's really our vision. Uh, like, we may talk about some different ministries that we're emphasizing, some different directions we might go, or some things that we're expanding. That's, that's gonna come and go, but our vision really won't change. And our vision is that we, we would help people encounter Jesus and that we would do so, that would happen through these behaviors. And I see these behaviors in this passage of scripture uh, in Luke chapter two that, we, that we've been looking at. Mark chapter two. And the uh, first one would be this. We're going we're gonna to help people encounter Jesus as we act with compassion. Our vision is to help people encounter Jesus by acting with compassion. We will be a compassionate people. Come on, say amen to that. Verse 3, look at what it says. Some men came bringing to him a paralyzed man carried by four of them. This man would not have gotten to Jesus had it not been for the compassion of these four that work together to do it. Let me tell you the definition of compassion. Compassion is sympathetic consciousness of others. Sympathetic consciousness of others, that this would be our heart, that this would be our goal as a church. And the second part of that definition says this, I love it. It says distress together with a desire to alleviate it. 
That's what compassion is. I see the distress in somebody's life, and in me, I have a desire, and I want to do something about it. I want to alleviate that that distress that's going on in their life. That's what happened in this story. I love the action, the effort that's put into this feeling of compassion. It wasn't just uh, emotion, but it went into action, And, and true compassion will do that. True compassion will even conquer inconvenience. Like it was not convenient for these guys to do what they did. But that's what compassion is. So like in this story, this, this paralytic man would not have made it to Jesus had it not been for them. The same is true for us. There are people in your life that may never get to Jesus unless someone helps them get there. Now it may not be physical paralysis for them. But it will be spiritual paralysis. There are people that you work with and spiritually they are paralyzed. They're confused. They don't understand what's going on in the spirit realm. And if somebody would step out and bring them to Jesus. Like that's, that, that's what we're building together is this culture of, of compassion that we care about what's going on in somebody's life. Maybe they're, maybe they're uh, paralyzed emotionally. And you saw the stats on the people that we're providing counseling for for free when they get into emotional or mental paralysis and they're struggling with with what they're going to do with their next moment. Maybe there's economic paralysis going on or social uh, paralyzed socially or maybe with confusion or with pain or brokenness or, or bondage paralyzed by addiction. There are people in your life. There are people in this city. There are people all over the world that will not make it to Jesus unless somebody decides to be compassionate for them. And we are a compassionate church, and we, will, we're just, we have vision that that's just going to grow. Come on, somebody say amen to that. Pick your spots, amen. We're, we're, I said our compassion is going to grow. That's, what we're, that's why we're increasing what we're doing for, for foster families. That comes from a place of, of compassion, of seeing a need and, and having a desire to do something about it and alleviating the distress that's going on. Increasing what we do for special needs family, uh, that one of our compassion ministries um, uh, that, we, that, we, that we are involved in through Kingdom Builders. It's one of our main partners that we're involved in through, through Kingdom Builders. They're feeding over 500,000 children every week and in, 30, in over 30 countries. And you're a part of that because of your giving to Kingdom Builders. We're going to continue to expand Matter of fact, in November, we have a miracle Sunday, and we've set a goal for the end of the year of, of Kingdom Builders, uh, and you'll be hearing more about that, but that's, that's coming through a, from a place of compassion. I got to tell you about this, and I'm so excited about this one, but this December, um, we're going to do a, a Christmas toy drive for families in need. We're going to give away around 6,000 toys so that kids can have a good Christmas. You go... Um, well, why, why are we so emphasized on compassion? I'll tell you why. We're living in an era right now in an age where there is more cynicism and criticism aimed at the church than anything I have ever heard about or, or seen in my life or heard about in modern times. The skepticism just seems to rise, right? With every new moral scandal that comes out, with every new documentary that comes out, just that cynicism of the church continues to rise. And here's the thing. Our charisma as a church may not fix that. We can be cool and we can be cute. Our charisma may, you know what might fix that though? Is our compassion. I have vision that our compassion will we begin to rebuild the credibility of the church in our city and in our nation. It's difficult to be critical of somebody who's acting in true compassion. So let's show the world that we live this thing called Christianity. Let's show the world that we not only 
Not only do we know Jesus, but we also are aware of what's going on around in somebody else's life. We're going to be people who act with compassion. It's our vision. We're going to be people who also walk in humility. Verse number four says, since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the mat the man was lying on. Who are these four men that did this? We don't know. They're nameless. Never mentioned by name. Wasn't about them. You could ask them. Like, think about it, right? The next day, somebody goes, did you hear Jesus was in that house, man? Did you guys, yeah, we went. You did? Did you get a good seat? No, we didn't get it. Did you get up close to him? No, we didn't. Did you hear, did you get to hear every word he said? No, we didn't. We were actually up and we were doing a bunch of construction, so there was a lot we couldn't hear. Did you ever get to be near? No, we didn't. But it wasn't about us. It was about our friend. Like, we never got a good spot, but he did. Like, we got up there and we cut a hole in the roof, and it was really about him experiencing Jesus. It was about him encountering Jesus. It wasn't about our experience. This is going to be who we are as a church. It's not going to be about my experience all the time. Matter of fact, I am willing to sacrifice my experience so that somebody else can encounter Jesus. What does that look like? Here's, let, me, let me break it down. Let me make it a little bit more real. It's like this. It's not about my, me getting my seat. Yeah, because some of us it is, right? If we don't get our seat, I'm going to walk out mad. No, it's not about you. It's about them. I'm not worried about my seat or my parking spot. I'm not worried about my experience. I'm not worried about everything it has to be done to my taste. It has to be my ideas and my interests. It has to be my likes and don't do anything that's in my dislikes. And it has to be my style and it has to appeal to my generation. No, we're going to be a church that says it's not about me. It's about helping others encounter Jesus. And I'll do whatever I got to do. I'll put up with whatever crowd. I'll put up with whatever, whatever kind of ministry it takes to help people encounter Jesus. We're going to be a people who walk in humility. It's not about me. It never has been. And the last behavior, and we talk about these all the time. As a matter of fact, you guys may not even know this, but you can't even work at Faith Assembly unless you live these. Like, and the last one is this, enjoy the ride. It's, it's, one, of the, it's one of the mandates of, of working here is you've got to enjoy yourself. You've got to smile. You've got to be happy. And, uh, and I, I think there's power in, a, in a, a church filled with joy. I just think that's so appealing to the world when a church is filled with joy. We're going to be people who enjoy the ride. That is our vision. Verse 12 says, he got up and he took his mat and he walked out in full view of all of them. Look what happened. This amazed everybody. They praised God saying, we've never seen anything like this before. Man, what kind of joy comes when God does what only God can do? When God fulfills vision, it just sparks something in people's hearts and, and lives. This praise, this amazement, it comes when Jesus Christ when he changes a life, this kind of amazement and, 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 and joy, it's, it's unique. But I want you to look at verse 2. Because verse 2 is a little bit of a, man, it's a little bit of a, a, a mixed emotion thing going on in verse 2. Look at verse 2. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door. Like it was a big crowd, that's yay. 
the paralyzed man couldn't get to Jesus. I bet there were people in that room that maybe had already known Jesus and that yet they didn't make room for somebody who needed to be healed, needed to be saved. So it's a little bit of a bummer, right? It's so full, but yet there's a downside to it. It's like when people say, oh man, that restaurant's so crowded, nobody ever goes to it anymore because it's always so crowded. Like, what? That's kind of a, it's like, it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a mixed emotion thing. And so this room is so full that people can't even get to Jesus. And so what, if I'm looking at this, I, there's good and bad. So what makes the difference? My attitude. There are some people who just endure the ride. They don't enjoy the ride. They just endure the ride. Endure the ride people, they walk up on a full house like that. They're going to walk in there and be like, well, I'm, I can't might make anything happen. Endure the ride people, they're just going to give up. They're going to get down. They're going to get discouraged. They're going to get disillusioned. They're going to get depressed and maybe complain a little bit. That's what endure the right people. And if that happens with endure the right people, the paralyzed man stays paralyzed because they walk up and they go, well, we tried. It just was too, too tough. And that's an endure the right. That's a half glass, half full person, a glass, half empty person. But an enjoy the right person is going to walk up just like these four did. They walk up on this full house. They, 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 it doesn't seem like they can get this man to Jesus. But one of them looked at each other and winked and said, I have an idea. One of them said, you're crazy. I know, let's do it. Let's just have some fun. And they put in effort. They put in work. There's probably some stairs at the back of this house that got up to the roof, but they, they carried this paralyzed man up there. And you can't convince me otherwise. I think they enjoyed every second of it. Because you don't come up with creative, crazy ideas like that unless you're enjoying life a little bit. We're going to be people who enjoy the ride. We're going to hear it all the time. Get ready. We're going to hear it all the time. New people are going to come into our services, into our small groups, into our classes, and they're going to walk out and say, I don't know what is going on. I don't know what they're pumping in the air there. I don't know why everybody's so happy. I don't know why everybody's so full of joy, but I want some of that. Because listen, the world, man, there's enough down in the world for, for, for everybody. Let's be a place that provides some joy. Nehemiah says, this day is holy to the Lord. Don't grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Some of you are so weak because you don't have any joy. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Philippians 4 says, rejoice in the Lord always. Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. This will be who we are. And I want you to notice that it happened because four people built something together. They built it together. You say, well, what did they build? They actually didn't build. They actually, it was, uh, they, they destroyed. They, they, they deconstructed. They, they took the roof apart. No, no, they, it's not about building buildings. They were building an opportunity for somebody to encounter Jesus. That's what they're building. When we, you, we talk about brick and mortar and where we're gonna go and this campus and these services and whatever. It's all about building opportunities for people to encounter Jesus. And we're gonna build that together. So let's do it this way. Could I get, uh, I think there's three people that are going to come help me. And I've got the mat right here that um, this is the actual mat that they used in that story in Mark chapter 2. It's not. No, I'm kidding. All right. Take your time, guys. It's good. I'm just kidding. No, thank you. Thank you so much for helping me. So um, we have sandbags in here. And... uh, they asked me before service, they said, do you want us to put more on that? I was like, absolutely not. Um, pray, for, pray for my vertebrae. All right, this thing's heavy, and there's four of us. 
and we're gonna get him to Jesus and we're gonna do it together. And everybody understands how important it is when there's four of us. Each of us have a corner, of course. And if I were to drop my corner, we got problems. We got a concussion. We got, we got, we got further injury. We got, we got issues. And so my, every corner matters and we understand that when there's four of us. But I wonder what would happen if we had, come here, if we had eight of us. So four more, come up here real quick. I need four more people to help. Here they come. So what we're gonna do, because obviously everybody knows if there's only four, I mean, I can't let go. I can't not be a part of this. But if there's eight of us, watch what happens. All right, let's get him to Jesus. Now it's easier with eight, it is. I'll let you know a little secret. I wouldn't even carry anything, all right? They were doing all the work. And we can look around and go, yay. That's awesome because Faith Assembly has a lot of people to carry the people to Jesus. That would be true if we were called to carry one person to Jesus. But we're not. That's the mentality that happens. We sit in a seat and we can look around at thousands and go, well, somebody will grab my corner for me. The problem is we're not called to carry one. We're called to carry thousands to Jesus. We're called to impact tens of thousands with our giving, with our living, with our sending, with our services. If that's the call, then it takes all of us. It takes you. You've got to do this. You've got to grab your corner. Like, listen to me. God is not done with you. Somebody just look at me in the eye. Let me tell you, God's not done with you. There is still more he wants to do through you. You've got to grab your corner. If you're willing to consider what your corner looks like around here. I hope you enjoyed listening to the Faith Assembly podcast. Thank you for joining us in pursuit of growing closer to Christ. Stay tuned for more messages released every week. God bless.